Section 61 of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The World Story, Volume 4, Greece and Rome, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 61, The Assassination of Julius Caesar. 44 B.C. by James Anthony Frode. The Ides of March drew near. Caesar was to set out in a few days for Parthia. Decimus Brutus was going, as governor, to the north of Italy, Lepidus to Gaul, Marcus Brutus to Macedonia, and Trebonius to Asia Minor. Antony, Caesar's colleague in the consulship, was to remain in Italy. Dolabella, Cicero's son-in-law, was to be consul with him as soon as caesar should have left for the east the foreign appointments were all made for five years and in another week the party would be scattered the time for action had come if action there was to be papers were dropped in brutus's room bidding him awake from his sleep on the statue of junius brutus some hot republican wrote would that thou wast alive the assassination in itself was easy for caesar would take no precautions so portentous an intention could not be kept entirely secret many friends warned him to beware but he disdained too heartily the worst that his enemies could do to him to vex himself with thinking of them and he forbade the subject to be mentioned any more in his presence portents prophecies soothsayings frightful aspects in the sacrifices natural growths of alarm and excitement were equally vain am i to be frightened he said in answer to some report of the haruspices because a sheep is without a heart an important meeting of the senate had been called for the ides the fifteenth of the month the pontifices it was whispered intended to bring on again the question of the kingship before caesar's departure the occasion would be appropriate the senate house itself was a convenient scene of operations the conspirators met at supper the evening before at Cassius's house. Cicero, to his regret, was not invited. The plan was simple and was rapidly arranged. Caesar would attend unarmed. The senators not in the secret would be unarmed also. The party who intended to act were to provide themselves with poignards, which could be easily concealed in their paper boxes. So far all was simple, but a question rose whether Caesar only was to be killed or whether Antony and Lepidus were to be dispatched along with him. They decided that Caesar's death would be sufficient. To spill blood without necessity would mar, it was thought, the sublimity of their exploits. Some of them liked Antony. None supposed that either he or Lepidus would be dangerous when Caesar was gone. In this resolution, Cicero thought that they made a fatal mistake. Fine emotions were good in their place in the perorations of speeches and such like antony as cicero admitted had been signally kind to him but the killing caesar was a serious business and his friends should have died along with him it was determined otherwise antony and lepidus were not to be touched for the rest the assassins had merely to be in their places in the senate in good time when caesar entered trebonius was to detain antony in conversation at the door the others were to gather about Caesar's chair on pretense of presenting a petition, and so could make an end. A gang of gladiators were to be secreted 
in the adjoining theatre to be ready should any unforeseen difficulty present itself that evening the fourteenth of march caesar was at a last supper at the house of lepidus the conversation turned on death and on the kind of death which was most to be desired caesar who was signing papers while the rest were talking looked up and said a sudden one when great men die imagination insists that all nature shall have felt the shock strange stories were told in after years of the uneasy labors of the elements that night a little ere the mightiest julius fell the graves did open and the sheeted dead did squeak and gibber in the roman streets the armor of mars which stood in the hall of the pontifical palace crashed down upon the pavement the door of caesar's room flew open calpurnia dreamt her husband was murdered and that she saw him ascending into heaven and received by the hand of god in the morning the sacrifices were again unfavorable caesar was restless some natural disorder affected his spirits and his spirits were reacting on his body contrary to his usual habit he gave way to depression he decided at his wife's entreaty that he would not attend the senate that day the house was full the conspirators were in their places with their daggers ready attendants came in to remove caesar's chair it was announced that he was not coming delay might be fatal they conjectured that he already suspected something a day's respite and all might be discovered his familiar friend whom he trusted the coincidence is striking was employed to betray him decimus brutus whom it was impossible for him to distrust went to entreat his attendants giving reasons to which he knew caesar would listen unless the plot had been actually betrayed it was now eleven in the forenoon caesar shook off his uneasiness and rose to go as he crossed the hall his statue fell and shivered on the stones some servant perhaps had heard whispers and wished to forewarn him as he still passed on a stranger thrust a scroll into his hand and begged him to read it on the spot it contained a list of the conspirators with a clear account of the plot he supposed it to be a petition and placed it carelessly among his other papers the fate of the empire hung upon a thread but the thread was not broken as caesar had lived to reconstruct the roman world so his death was necessary to finish the work he went on to the curia and the senators said to themselves that the augurs he had foretold his fate but he would not listen he was doomed for his contempt of religion antony who was in attendance was detained as had been arranged by trebonius caesar entered and took his seat his presence awed men in spite of themselves and the conspirators had determined to act at once lest they should lose courage to act at all he was familiar and easy of access they gathered round him he knew them all there was not one from whom he had not a right to expect some sort of gratitude and the movement suggested no suspicion one had a story to tell him another some favor to ask tullius cimber whom he had just made governor of blithenia then came close to him with some request which he was unwilling to grant cimber caught his gown as if in treaty and dragged it from his shoulders cassius who was standing behind stabbed him in the throat he started up with a cry and caught cassius's arm another poignard entered his breast giving a mortal wound he looked round and seeing not one friendly face but only a ring of daggers pointing at him he drew his gown over his head gathered the folds about him that he might fall decently and sank down without uttering another word cicero was present the feelings with which he watched the scene are unrecorded 
but may easily be imagined waving his dagger dripping with caesar's blood brutus shouted to cicero by name congratulating him that liberty was restored the senate rose with shrieks and confusion and rushed into the forum the crowd outside caught the words that caesar was dead and scattered to their houses antony guessing that those who had killed caesar would not spare himself hurried off into concealment the murderers bleeding some of them from wounds which they had given one another in their eagerness followed crying that the tyrant was dead and that rome was free and the body of the great caesar was left alone in the house where a few weeks before cicero told him that he was so necessary to his country that every senator would die before harm should reach him End of section sixty one this work is in the public domain